I got it very temporarily. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all, to this service of worship. It's a delight to welcome visitors in our midst today. We are so delighted that you're here. We hope you feel very much at home here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. Again, welcome to all who are in our sanctuary. Welcome to you if you're worshiping with us online. If you're joining our live stream, we're delighted that you're here as well. Thank you for being here And you can download a copy of the church bulletin uh, on the church website. If you're worshiping with us at home, go to the main page. You can uh, see the bulletin tab there. Click on the bulletin. You can follow along with everything that we're doing here in the sanctuary. And we will be united as one congregation, whether we're here in the sanctuary or in the sanctuary of your own home. We are glad that we are all together today as a fellowship of faith. Again, welcome to any visitors who are here If you are a visitor and you'd like to know more about GPC, then one of the ministers will be up here, right where I'm standing, at the end of the service, and you can come ask any questions you may have, or if you have prayer concerns or prayer needs, you can certainly do that as well and tell us about any upcoming surgeries, tell us about anything that you may need, and we'd be glad to help you. There are also yellow visitor's bags in the narthex on the table out there. If you're visiting and you'd like to know more about GPC, you can see one of those bright yellow bags back there. And you can take one of that. It's got lots of information um, about who we are as a church. It's got a, a few uh, pieces uh, of, of swag, as we call it, a GPC pin, maybe a coffee mug, maybe even a T-shirt. Um, only for visitors, only for visitors. But um, please do see one of those yellow bags. And we invite everybody to fill in the friendship pad the maroon pad that's on the inside aisle of your pew there. If you would take that and put your name down and, and then pass that down the pew. And uh, if you're visiting with us, if you wouldn't mind putting down your contact information, an email or a phone number, we would be delighted to tell you more about our family of faith. There's also a, an online friendship pad. If you're worshiping with us at home, you can go to the church website and you can see the, uh, the, the tab to click on to sign the friendship pad that's electronic. So thank you for everybody for being here on this day. Many of you know this, again, as we're sort of getting back into the routine uh, of worship here at GPC 8.30 and 11, we are again providing large print bulletins and large print hymnals and some large print Bibles. If you need a large print bulletin, there's some in the narthex and our ushers can show you where those are. And that just helps, uh, helps those of us who need um, a little bigger print to be able to see the call to worship and the, the different elements. So if you need a large print, hymnal, bulletin, uh, Bible, anything like that, then we have those available for you for sure. A few of you, uh, more than a few of you, actually give, by the, uh, give electronically. And we just want you to know if you do give um, by the Give Plus app, that you may have on your phone, that that's actually changing from Give Plus to Vanco payments. And so if you're used to giving uh, on your app or signing up for an event, paying for something, then that'll change and it needs to be the Vanco app and you'll need to download that. But there are instructions on how to do that and you'll see something in the newsletter. You can talk to Fred Turvery, our business manager in our office, about how to do that. And it's so handy. Uh, You can give a memorial or you can 
pay for Nakomi or whatever you want to do on that app. And so it's really convenient and easy. It's uh, Vanco payments now and talk to Fred or see the instructions in the bulletin or the newsletter about how to get that app and sign up for GPC. Next Sunday, we'll have a few people joining the church. And so if you'd like to know more about this joining opportunity, you'll see Amy Phillips' name and email and phone number in your bulletin. If you're visiting with us and you just, you're just curious about what membership here is like and maybe that's for you, then you can call Amy. If you'd like to join next week, there'll be a joining session and uh, she can tell you more about those details. So please do contact Amy if you'd like to know more about joining GPC next Sunday. Finally, friends, uh, don't forget about our evening worship service this evening at 6 o'clock. It's in Warren Hall, um, our, our wonderful service where we do have similar things from the morning, but there are some things different, and a different style of music, contemporary uh, Christian music and different singers. We have also um, a little bit different format, but I invite everybody to check it out at least once. Just try it once, come and see what it's like, um, and be part of that evening congregation. Um, enjoy here in the morning and love what we do in our traditional service, but come check out our evening worship as well, and I bet that you will enjoy it. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. We gather in Christ's name to fill this place with our praise of God. God is worthy of our devotion. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, before forth speech. Night after night, he reveals knowledge. The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the sinner. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Merciful and Son's blessed trend. 
God is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who, who repent. Let us acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Holy God, today we confess how often we misuse the gift of speech. Instead of building up, we tear down. Instead of praising, we curse. Instead of praying, we boast. We use our speech in ways that are often sinful and wrong. And we confess our inability to control our tongues. Forgive us, we pray, and help us to speak as Jesus did in ways that provide healing, reconciliation, and hope. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. As our children come forward for the baptism, please greet those around you with the sign of God's peace. This is a very special, joyous moment in the life of our congregation. We come to celebrate the sacrament of baptism for Nicholas Grant Boswell. Nick, the son of Nathan and Teresa Boswell. Mary Kay Grantham is an elder at GPC, and she is taking part in our ceremony as well. And we're grateful for George Lum, who is Nick's peer in the sixth grade, who is here taking part of this service as well. We have several middle schoolers, also Nick's peers, who are in the front row here to support Nick in this moment in his life and his faith. With them, all of us come together as a family of faith. To, we come together as a family of faith to claim Nick on God's behalf as part of the covenant of grace. The word sacrament is describing always something sacred, and we believe this is a sacred moment, a sacred moment for Nick, 
for his family, a sacred moment for all of us in this congregation. In this sacrament of baptism, we remember how the church uses common elements like water in order to signify something very uncommon, the uncommon goodness of God's grace. God always uses earthly, temporal elements to do something that is of eternal significance. So God is accomplishing something heavenly here. We always define sacraments as outward, visible signs of an inward, invisible grace. And we believe that God is definitely at work in young Nick's life and in his family's life and in the life of this congregation in this moment. We remember that the waters of baptism symbolize our cleansing, symbolizing the washing away of sin in our lives by God's grace. Jesus himself was baptized in the Jordan River to symbolize his solidarity with all humankind. He came to live our life and to free us, all of us, from the power of sin. And so baptism is the beginning of a journey by which we grow closer and closer to Christ every day. Mary Kay. In the church, we speak of God's promises to us in the terms of a covenant. God has made a, co- a covenant with us through Jesus Christ to be our loving and faithful God throughout our lives. This is the covenant of grace through which God provides us of our, forgives us of our sins and grants us eternal life. We gratefully respond to God's covenant of grace by living for God through faith in Jesus Christ. Believing in God's promises and obeying the word of our Lord, we baptize those whom God has included in the covenant of grace and mercy. By water and by the Holy Spirit, Nick Boswell will be joined to the body of Christ and the family of God. We will all make promises on his behalf, and God is counting on us to keep our promises so that he will grow in faith and will love Christ in his life. And so now I invite Nathan and Teresa to make these vows and these affirmations of their own faith. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, acknowledging God the Father as your maker and creator, God the Son as your Savior and Lord, and God the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide? Do you? Do you promise by God's grace and help to provide a Christian home and example for Nick, and by God's grace to continue to raise him in the faith of the gospel and the fellowship of the Christian church? Do you? And now George will ask the vow of friendship to show the children of the church and to Nick's peers. The children of the youth and of the church will be Nick's Christian friends as he grows and matures with us. Together we will live as followers of the Christ and we will make promises to each other as growing disciples. Do we, the children and the youth of church, promise to love Nick as a Christian, to walk him, with the, to walk him on the path of faith, to share him our time and fellowship with him, to read the Bible with him, to talk about God with him, and to be his friend in Jesus Christ? If the children and the youth of the church are willing to make this promise to Nick, will they please raise their hand? Please raise your hand. Thank you. And now Mary Kay. On behalf of the session, I ask the congregation to reaffirm its pledge to love, support, and teach to all in the church, and in particular, Nick, in the ways of Jesus Christ. Do you as a congregation of God's people promise to play your part in the Christian support of Nick by providing instruction in the gospel of God's love, the example of Christian character, 
and the strong support of the family of God in fellowship, prayer, and service. If so, if you so promise, will you please stand? Let us pray. Almighty God, set aside this water from its common usage to be for us a sign of your kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless Nick and bless his family. May this moment of his baptism be part of his lifelong journey of faith by which he clings to you more and more as his creator and savior. Wash and cleanse his life by the power of your Holy Spirit as we mark his place in the covenant of grace and in the family of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Nicholas Grant, child of the faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. that Nick Boswell has been received into the family and household of God through baptism. He now shares with us in the priesthood of Christ. I call on you, the GPC congregation, to pray for Nick and to care for him so that he may grow in Christian faith and life and continue in Christ's service all his days. Once again, let us join in prayer. Let us pray. God of faithful love, we offer our gratitude for Nick and for the commitments that are made today on his behalf. Lord, we pray for his continued walk with you through his youth and into adulthood. As he continues to grow, O God, may you weave your grace and your guidance into his life. As he continues to grow in faith, may he do so on the foundation that is laid for him by his family, by his Sunday school teachers, by his church family, by his mentors, and by all of his friends in Christ. As he grows, O God, protect him through all dangers and temptations, and may he know that your hand is in his life as he moves through each stage that you have given him. And may we as a congregation, O God, always keep our vows to him and to all the children and youth of this church as we support them in their walk of faith. Bless Nick and bless his family from this day forward. Amen. Nick, we have gifts to give to you. One is a baptismal certificate, and another is a Bible. And I've got the baptismal certificate right here. And it, it's a piece of paper, but it, what it really talks about is our deep love and our gratitude to God for you and for your life. And then we have an adventure Bible that is on order, and it will be here really soon. <laughs> it will be here really soon, and we so look forward to your parents reading this Bible with you, and you're reading this Bible and knowing how much God loves you in your life. Dear friends, please remain seated as we sing for Nick the blessing that's printed in your bulletin.
Please join me in prayer. Let us pray. You are the God who spoke creation into existence, creating and proclaiming its goodness. And so now we humbly ask for your same voice to speak to us. Create in us this moment, O God. Create faith and create trust and love and create discipleship as we turn to your word. Create in us by what we read and hear and say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We continue in our sermon series in the book of James. And we have been in this uh, great New Testament book for several weeks now. And today we arrive at chapter 3, and our reading comes from chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are large and they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by humanity. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. If you've ever had your mouth washed out with soap, it's an experience you're likely not to forget. We'll take a little informal poll right here. Anybody have their mouth washed out with soap growing up? It's an experience you won't forget. I remember that experience uh, quite vividly, in fact. I don't remember the actual word that I said, but I do remember being in my grandmother's kitchen and her horrified look at me, and then marching me out of that kitchen, into their bedroom, into the bathroom, where she pointed to a bar of yellow dial soap on the soap dish, and she said, pick it up. And then she said, lick it. And I did what she did, told me to do, because everybody does what their grandmother tells them to do. And I remember licking it, and then she washing, sort of washing that around in my mouth before putting it back out into the sink. Now, I loved my grandmother. I loved her dearly. Monumental influence on me in my life. We had a very special relationship that was almost always joyful, (laughs) except for one incident. 
where I sort of learned about the power of speech. And I learned that there were certain lines around her that would not be crossed. It would not be crossed. I don't even remember the word, of course, but I know that I never said it in her presence again. I've been thinking about it ever since then. Obviously, a seminal moment in my young life, about four years old. And I started thinking about it. Now, where do you think I picked up that word? And now, we were living in her house during that time in our family's life due to some family rearrangements. And I didn't go to preschool or junior, junior kindergarten. I spent most of my time there in that house. And I realized a little bit later on that it had to be either from her or one of her offspring, more like my dad, that I learned that word in the first place. Do you remember that great country song that came out a few years ago by Rodney Atkins that's called Watching You, and the song starts with this dad driving. It has to be a truck because it's a country song. So he's driving his truck, and the light turns from green to red, and he slams on his brakes, and his four-year-old son is in the back eating French fries because what else do dads do when they have kids in the car but let them eat French fries with ketchup and drinks? He slams on the brakes, and the fries go everywhere, And then the song sort of sings these words. It says, my four-year-old said a four-letter word, and I was concerned. And I said, son, where'd you learn to talk like that? And what is the child's reply? I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be just like you. I've been watching you. Now, if my four-year-old mind had been working really well back in my grandmother's kitchen, I think I would have said something like, Um, It was your son who taught me that word, or it was my brother's, and maybe their mouths would have gotten washed out with soap instead of mine, or at least in addition to mine. But you never sort of forget the taste of soap on your tongue. So we've been in this sermon series about James, and he is going to come to one of the most important chapters in this book right here, right now, today. And there are other really significant parts of this letter, but James 3 has always stood out to me as a very important marker, um, a very important determining chapter in, in who we are as Christians and what we reveal about ourselves and what we really believe and who we really are by how we speak and what we say. I mean, James is talking about the tongue here, and James knows this and we know this. It's not really about the tongue, is it? It's about the heart, and it's about the mind that controls our speech and what we really believe. It's about something much more uh, deeply embedded in us than just this muscle in our mouths. But James is always going to talk about the tongue in this letter. And we've talked before, how about James? James doesn't mince any words. He's very straightforward and very clear in what he is saying. So he starts off talking about speech and about language and about our faith and about our identity and who we are and by what we say. He starts by making these analogies. And it's actually quite a few he uses in these few short verses. He uses several analogies to talk about what the tongue is like or or how it operates. So, of course, he talks about horses, these, these majestic big beasts that people rode, of course, even back in that day and age. And you can control that whole horse by a tiny piece of metal put into its mouth. And you just tug one way or the other, and the whole animal goes the direction you steer it. And then he talks about a ship, talks about a huge 
ship. And they had large ships in their day and age. But think about the biggest princess line cruise ship that you can imagine today. What does James say? That huge vessel is turned by just a tiny piece of it. By just a tiny piece, that rudder can steer that whole vessel wherever the captain wants it to go. We went on a cruise about 10 years ago, and I remember seeing next to the cruise ship another ship, and it was up in dry dock, and it was amazing. I mean, it was one of these incredible, you know, 800 passenger plus 800 crew, large cruise ships, and the rudder compared to the rest of that boat was, was small, very, very small, and yet the whole boat went in the direction that the captain steered it through that rudder. So James is going to keep working through different analogies until he really gets what he wants us to hear. He adds a moral dimension to this idea behind the tongue. He says the tongue, of course, is a small, small part of your body. Think about it. This one little muscle compared to the size of your arm or your leg or your head or your torso, it is tiny compared to the rest of you. But it does such things that cause monstrously large problems. It boasts, says James, it boasts. And of course, we looked at what James thinks about boasting in an earlier chapter. Boasting is all about self-sufficiency. It's about this arrogant assumption that I am in charge of my life and I can do whatever I want and all my success is my doing and I am the captain of my own ship. The tongue boasts, which is all about self-sufficiency and not needing or listening to anybody else, and especially not God. When your tongue is so busy talking about yourself, you can't hear anybody else. You really can't even see them. You might see them, but you're not listening to anybody else when you're so busy talking about yourself. And so your whole view of yourself and your world is warped by your tongue and its talk. I know lots of people have been getting into a new show called Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Anybody watch Ted Lasso out there? Um, You know, it's a really funny, pretty cute show. It's about this American football coach. So think of your favorite college football team's football coach. It's an American football coach who is hired to go to England to coach British football, which is soccer. And it's about all the things he sort of trips through and all the problems that he has making that adjustment, trying to craft a good team together. Well, there's a young player on his team who's 23 years old. He's this hotshot named Jamie Tart, And he is 23, and he is a superstar, and he knows it, and he tells everybody about it. He looks at himself a lot in the mirror. There are lots of scenes where Jamie Tart is just standing in front of a mirror, just admiring himself just thinking about how good-looking he is. And then, of course, in a game, he scores. And as they do over there, the, the crowd in that stadium, they're chanting his name. So he scores a goal, and the crowd is chanting his name. And then he goes up with the name on the back of his jersey. He goes to the crowd, turns around, and starts pointing at his name like this. And they're chanting his name, and he's saying, Me, 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 me. His tongue and his actions and his life is all about boasting. How much of our lives, how much of our lives is spent wanting people to pay attention to us, wanting them to validate us, wanting them to approve of us, 
Maybe not literally, but figurative by, by what we wear or how we look. We're always running around shouting, me, 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 me. Pay attention to me. Approve me. We are the center of our own universe. And what leads the charge? Our mouths. James is going to move on and compare the tongue. as He gets, he gets more serious as he moves down the line here in these analogies. Now he's going to compare the tongue to a spark that sets a whole forest on fire. Just a little spark. If any of y'all, Boy Scouts among us, probably I've seen this done. You can start a campfire with that whole flint rock striking process. Have you ever done that? It works. I've seen it. A tiny spark can ignite a whole fire. My sister lives in the Bay Area. Has lived out there for about 30 years. In the last several years, what has become an everyday um, reality problem for them all around them every day? Forest fires. All these fires, Southern California, Northern California, they become so prominent for them every summer. They have a place where they go for a week every summer. It's a place where my brother-in-law's grandparents went. It's on a tiny little lake, and there are these rustic cabins, and it's just this family ritual for them to go every year back to this great sort of pristine in the middle of the hills of California wilderness lake. And they were there this summer, and they had to evacuate. They had to leave several days earlier because the colder fire was coming over and was one ridge away from where they were. This great forest fire that has now burned over 214,000 acres, how did it start? Like they all do, with one little spark. How do some of the fires in your life start? With one little spark, one word, one lie, one flirt, one boast, and then one more, and perhaps another, and then another, and before you know it, that whole forest is burning. And then James gets into some really interesting analogies. He's going to compare the tongue to a snake. A snake is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Ever seen a rattlesnake out in the wilderness when it's all coiled up and that rattle is just rattling like that? And it can strike a person faster than you can blink. Faster than you can blink, it will strike you. It's just this restless evil coiled up. You get too close, it's going to strike you. A few months ago, a good friend of mine in South Carolina was bitten by a copperhead on his bare foot in his backyard, actually on his back deck. And he was doing what he does every night. He let the dog out, and then the dog didn't come back, probably because it saw the snake. And so the dog didn't come back. So he went outside barefooted to go find that dog, and he felt this sharp needle prick right in his foot, bitten by a copperhead. He looked down, he saw that very mature copperhead. And he was fine, spent the night in the hospital, had a little anti-venom treatment. But what he learned was that that copperhead was just doing what its instincts tell it to do. It wasn't trying to kill. If it was trying to really kill, it would have done much worse. It would have been a much more serious bite and all kinds more poison injected. It was just defensively trying to warn him, trying to to get away from this source that was bothering him and agitating him. Isn't that our reaction also? Somebody or something or some issue or something happens, we feel threatened or bothered even just a little bit, and we use that 
viper in our head. We use that snake of our tongue and we just bite out at somebody. Maybe we're not trying to kill them. Maybe we just want to hurt them and, and, and just tell them to stay away. And we use those words that sting and bite. And sometimes they do inject poison into somebody else's life. That's what our instincts tell us to do. What does Christ tell us to do? Why is the gospel always so much above and beyond what our natural instincts and DNA are? We are called to be Christians above and beyond who we naturally are. And James knows this. And he knows he's not talking about the tongue. He's really talking about the heart and the mind of each one of us. The tongue is just a muscle. James knows this. It never acts independently. The tongue doesn't speak on its own. It is always used at the behest of a person, of a mind and a heart that controls what comes out of our mouths. James knows this. Jesus teaches about this in his own ministry. Now, and for Jesus, it's in the context of where the Pharisees the Pharisees are coming up to Jesus and they're talking about what's clean or what's unclean and how he and his disciples are eating with unclean plates and dishes and vessels and that that's somehow making them spiritually unclean. And Jesus turns it around. He turns around this literal conversation about clean vessels and unclean dishes to talk about what is spiritual and to have a spiritual conversation with them. He says, don't you know what goes into a person? does not determine if he or she is unclean. Don't you know that there's a person from the outside that can defile them? For that doesn't go into the heart. He says what comes out of a person is what defiles them. It is from within. In a person's heart come all sorts of evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, contempt, deceit, lewdness, slander, arrogance, folly. Jesus lists all of these things. They don't come into us from the outside. They come out of us from our hearts and from our minds. It's with our mouth leading the charge. So James knows this. It really is a matter of the mind and the heart. Maybe you've heard this poem before. You might have it even posted up somewhere on your wall. A poem that reads, Watch what you think. Because your thoughts become words. And then watch your words, because your words become actions. Watch your actions, because they become habits. Watch your habits, because they become your character. Watch your character, because character becomes your destiny. I don't know why my mother-in-law gave me that poem, but she did. I'm not sure if she was trying to tell me something or not, but that came from her about watching your words, your thoughts, your words, your character, your destiny. One of the most important Christian philosophers in the 20th century was a French philosopher, Christian, great Christian thinker named Paul Ricoeur. And he made it sort of his life's work to study the phenomenology of speech and language and how we learn language and then how language shapes us, how we use language to define ourselves how the words spoken around us all the time affect and in many ways determine who we are and our character. Words are symbols, said Ricoeur. Words are symbols, and you say a symbolic word like pulpit, 
And you automatically think of a structure like this or baptismal font. And even though fonts come in all shapes and sizes, you link a vision and an image with that symbol in your mind. And so Paul Ricoeur was interested in talking about how speech and language, how that determines a person's identity and reality. The words you hear spoken all around you. I sort of thought about this between the 8.30 service and now, and why is it so important for growing children and adolescents to be in church, in worship, with their parents? It's because of all these words that we speak when we have our, our prayer of confession and we have our, our affirmation of faith, that those words are soaked up and they become part of a person's identity the more you say them and think them. It's not just something you do from rote memory, and it's not meaningless words that come at us week after week. Those words form a person's identity. And forget the children, don't forget the children, but just think about yourself. Why is it so important for you to be in here worshiping week in and week out? Because these words also form your identity and your character. Hearing them over and over again reminds you of your identity as a Christian which is what Paul Ricoeur was all about. Understanding how words shape us. And for us as Christians, he wanted to see and, and to study how the words of Scripture, how the narrations and the stories of Scripture form people's identities. They do. They really do. And then he was really interested in seeing how we narrate our own story and how we tell our own story and how we talk about our own identities in the words that we use. And so Ricoeur was very interested, especially in people's experiences of suffering and of evil. How do you narrate? How do you talk about those times of suffering in your life? How do you talk about, how do you narrate? What words do you use in order to describe the evil that sometimes affects you or that affects our world. I was thinking about this yesterday in the car, kind of coming back and forth to church some, and I was listening the whole time, listening to different memorial services on the 20th anniversary of September the 11th. I heard one from Pennsylvania and then one from Washington and a little bit later, one from New York. What we're doing right now as a culture, as a society... We're going through and we're using, using our words and memorials and words of lament and sadness to describe our collective experience of evil that happened 20 years ago. How do you do that individually in your life? That's what it means to narrate your story. What is your narrative? What kind of language do you use about good and evil, about suffering, about redemption? The language we use is always associated with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's how we interpret our lives as Christians. That's how we tell our story. It always starts with, with the God who made everything, with our Creator God. And then we go through and we, we talk about the real experiences of evil and we narrate those through the lens of Jesus on the cross and we, and we talk about the most evil experience ever done by humanity, Jesus on the cross, and how we, we try to make sense of evil through that experience that God can even take an evil event and turn it into something redemptive. 
And how even suffering can be redemptive. That is always our story. When we describe our hopes and our aspirations for the future, we always do so in the words of Scripture as we talk about what we hope for is not just what I'm going to accomplish and what I'm going to do. What we, pray, what we hope for and how we narrate that is what is God doing and how am I plugging in to God's promises for the world. All of our language, all of our speech is meant to be used to tell the story of God and who God is and who we are as part of God's story and what God is doing and what God promises. So back to James and how we speak and how we talk. How we speak is always related to how we see God at work in our lives. If I am abusive, if I am contemptible in my speech, then that is a real sign of who I am and what I believe. If I am um, in any way ready to talk about others in a disdainful way with even a drop of hatred in it, then I am part of the narrative of evil in the world. I mean, James says it. It's right here. He says, The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The powers of hell are revealed in how you speak when you revile others and disdain them in your language. So what does your speech say about you and who you really are deep down? Are you revealing a life that has been saved from hell and saved from sin by God's grace and by that evil event of Jesus' death on the cross that turns out to be turned upside down by God into something redemptive and good? Are you narrating a story of a person who has been changed by grace and love? Are you telling the praises of a God who has changed you and transformed you so that you want to speak and live and be more day after day after day? How does how you speak reveal how you are and who you are deep down? Be careful what you think because your thoughts become words. Be careful of your words because they become actions. Be careful of your actions because they become your character. Is how you speak revealing your destiny with God. Amen. In response to the great care that God has taken to pour his holy words into us, to save us, to redeem us, to renew us, Would you stand with me and join together as we recommit ourselves to Christ by affirming together what we believe in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, 
the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. My friends, we have been blessed this morning to hear God's Word both read and proclaimed to us. We have stood together and affirmed our faith, and now we come to that place in our worship service where we're blessed yet again. We are blessed to come before God in prayer, prayer for one another, prayer for those that we love and care about, and prayers for the whole world. So during this time of prayer, I will invite you to respond When I say, Lord, in your mercy, you may respond here, our prayer. And I will leave a space of silence so that you have an opportunity to name out loud before God those that are near and dear to you and to our community of faith. So let us now together turn our hearts and our minds to Almighty God. God of all truth and goodness, God of light and healing and compassion, we come before you now. We offer our prayers and our very selves to you as we say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of creation, you've taught us that each human being is made in your holy image, and so we pray for your people around your vast world. We begin with the thousands of families, those from over 90 different countries who lost loved ones 20 years ago in the terrorist attack of September 11, 2001. Just as we were able to come together then as one people, And dwell us with your Holy Spirit today and mend us back together as one human race, just as you call us to be. Remind us that we are called by you to be peacemakers and bridge builders of reconciliation and love with everyone we meet each day. Teach us to embrace difference, to create harmony and treasure unity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for freedom for people around the world, and we lift up to you this morning those in Afghanistan still trying to escape. And we pray for the well-being of Afghan women and girls. May they be safe from harm and free to live their lives, to study, to learn, and become. We pray for those in Haiti, still picking up the pieces of their lives and beginning all over again after suffering from the recent earthquake and tropical storm. We pray for those in the West where wildfires continue to rage. We pray for those in Louisiana and Tennessee and all up the east coast of this country who experienced Hurricane Ida and also flash floods. And like so many others, they are beginning their lives again. Strengthen the hurting, comfort the grieving, we pray. Wherever there is need, 
Wherever there are dire straits, holy God, we pray for relief. May they be blessed by you, and may we be vessels of your love, comfort, support, and encouragement wherever we are needed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of truth, we pray your blessings upon leaders everywhere so that they may govern with your wisdom, your justice, and your compassion. God of healing, we pray for those who are caring for the sick and the dying. Especially, we pray for healthcare professionals and frontline workers in this ongoing battle against the coronavirus. Bless each one, we pray, that all, with all that they need for each day. And bless us with the gifts and talents to care for them, to care for our own families, to care for one another in all the ways that we can. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, hear us now as we name out loud those that we care so much about. Holy God, abide with these that we have named and those that remain in our hearts because we know that they are known to you. Bless them, we pray, with all that they need for this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. By your Holy Spirit, make us one people, united in your love. Bless us with courage to proclaim the gospel of Christ our Lord in thought, word, and deed, with heart, soul, mind, and strength. That our lives shine with Christ's light, a blessing of joy to the living, a beacon of hope to the dying. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All this we pray to you, O God, through the gift of your Spirit, in the grace of your word, and to the glory of your holy name, even as we come with boldness and humility, praying the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. My friends, all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. So whether you are worshiping with us in person or worshiping with us online, I invite you to give with great joy and generosity to the work of God's church here in this place. I invite our ushers to come forward. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray. Our God, we do praise you, not just in word, but in deed. With the totality of our lives, and we look back and we see how good you are, how you have blessed us. And so we give to you these gifts of soul, these tithes and offerings, because we love you. Because we're grateful that you call us not just servants, but friends. And you have empowered us through all of the blessings of time and talent and experiences to be a blessing to other people so that others would know who you are. So we commit these offerings to you and we ask that you would take and magnify them for your glory. That all who see us would see you and know how wonderful you are. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.
Christian friends, go now out into the world to love and serve the Lord, and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the grace of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and mind forever. Amen.